Welcome to this episode of Talk Me Smart and Other Stories podcast. I'm Guy Massey. Let's unpack social media a little bit. What's the impact? You know, uh, are we serving uh, the public by uh, our our uh, continued enrapture by technology in the form of our phone? Are we are we victims? Are we victors? Um, you know, when you're on your phone and you're on Facebook and you're scrolling up and you continue to scroll up, you're triggering algorithms. Uh, you're triggering TikTok, you're triggering uh, Google, you're triggering YouTube, you're triggering Facebook to give you more information based upon what you're scrolling. You're scrolling, just the fact that you're scrolling, actually. And if the, uh, you know, if the baseball comes through your window, you uh, put the phone down and you address reality, okay? Who's, what's the, what's the lesser of two evils there? Is it the social media that you're on at the time? Um, Whether you're on a TikTok page or you're on, oh, you know, any of these outlets, inlets, I call them. Because we give them information more than they give us information. Uh, the information is 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 is, uh, is varied and it's schizophrenic. It's not necessarily accurate. Advertisers want to be accurate, so the ads that are put in front of you may be very very targeted, and we may not mind them. We actually don't mind them, do we? But when the baseball comes through the window from the kids playing across the street, breaks your glass, you know, you get up, you throw the phone down, and you go see what's up. The baseball is the hero in this scenario. The kids are the heroes. They broke you from your trance. They did. Um, Chinese government wants the U.S. uh, to be the less dominant player. The Iran government wants the U.S. to be an also-ran. And they are using more ingenious, or non-genius, maybe, tactics to get there, using our, well, our schizophrenic approach to our everyday living uh, with the billions and billions of, uh, of uh, bits of information, trillions of bits of information, information that uh, we're subject to. So uh, these nefarious governments know that they're not going to win in a military s- strike. Uh, they know that there's a mutual assured destruction there, certainly. That the U.S. is going to use all its powers. But at the same time, the U.S. Uh, doesn't really uh, hold up any barriers for these governments to come in to our, uh, onto our phones and uh, wreak havoc. So... 
uh, I use that baseball analogy as just a, a, a wake-up call. Um, I have faith in people. I think there's a lot of talk out there um, that is uh, is doom. And how long is it? is this is this sustainable? Is our existence with the technology sustainable? So far, it it it, it has been, but it's, it's questionable. Um, but I have faith because I think reality takes over. The baby's crying. You've got to go to the room and and and, and go and pick up the baby and and, and feed the baby. Uh, you've got to you've got to satiate these these things that, that come into our lives. We've got to do the dishes. We've got to put the phone down to go do the dishes. We have we have uh, strikes of reality that uh, that hit us in the face and uh, we address them. We have. We seek out fun. Uh, maybe fun is on a Facebook page. Maybe that's your idea of fun. I enjoy going on Facebook. Uh, I, the only reason I go on Facebook is for enjoyment. Um, I think people have things to share. Um, but I think when you uh, look at the chaos out there in the world, you can attribute it to, to social media, which includes Facebook for misinformation. Uh, the information is not accurate. In the old days, Walter Cronkite would take in all the teletype feeds from all over the world, AP Wire, the UPI. These were all reality-based occurrences. The act, the news was presented as accurately as possible by one man editing or one woman. But back in the day, it was one man. It was Harry Reasoner. It was Walter Conkite. It was news directors, people that directed the news. I'm an art director by profession. And what does a director do? A director is someone who um, takes in uh, all of the input stimulus and discerns it and re-outputs it into another little machine in a streamlined fashion, of course, for economy's sake, a visual streamlined fashion, an oral, if it's in the case of broadcast, a, uh, a uh, of course, visual, if it's print, if it's television, combinations. Uh, the director is a curator, a curator. Uh, it's like the museum curator. He, he has a bunch of Art, art that comes in in the warehouse, in the museum warehouse, in the basement, and he decides what art pieces. He makes the decision. No one else. He may have input. He may have lobbying from the different varied artists and interest groups. Uh, he uh, he decides what's right, uh, what's right for the show. And he places those frames 20 feet apart for visual clarity. And it's a finite space. There's only so much room. There are a thousand pieces of art and artifacts. Um, he decides the theme. And you go into the museum and you digest what the artist, what the curator has set out for you 
and determined and defined what you're going to like and what you like. It's a guessing game at best. Um, it's, now, that's not necessarily misinformation. Misinformation, I think, I think misinformation is the, uh, it's really the aggregate in this sense of um, disparate parties with their own bent on reality. Uh, if it's a political party, the news is skewed for that. We are our own walking editors. We have to decide what's, what's reality. But do we know what reality is? Do we really know if the Republicans are right? Do we know if the Democrats are right? We can vote. Voting is our best guess at democracy. Um, we're certainly not going to undermine our interests. If uh, we know that uh, jaywalking is wrong, but if it increases business at the other end of the street and your store is midway through that and you're part of that jaywalking traffic and you're benefiting from it, you are going to not support the cop on the other side of the street preventing the jaywalking and making the person go over to the next crosswalk a quarter of a mile down the road bypassing your store. So you know what justice is in your own world. Justice is your business, your shoe store, your barber shop. Uh, and if they get there one way or the other, that's all you care about. If they go to the crosswalk and come back to your store, chances are they're not going to. They're going to proceed further down the road. Advertising is what draws them in, and the world of advertising is huge, of course. Um, and they're all vying for your attention. We, um, as a society, are pulled in many, many, many directions. Social media is that, is that tug of war uh, that is multi-directional. Um, if you get your mountain bike, like I did by using searches, doing some research, finding out the best deals, uh, you're going to praise, praise social media, because that's all part of social media, the advertising, the Google, um, the, the whole, the whole, um, the symbol of the phone, the phone itself, your, your, your phone, your little phone you carry with you every day and take with you, um, and it's all part of, of this whole, um, well, it's a panoply, isn't it? of misinformation because we really don't know what the truth is, do we? Or do we not? Maybe we do know what the truth is. Maybe we discern it. Um, the most trusted news outlets are going to give you a uh, 
Even the most trusted news outlets are going to give you a, a choice in, in the matter. They're not, they, will, they will proclaim the truth, but underlying that is a question. Uh, is this really the truth? I find the truth is with family, with personal relationships, um, when was the last time you put your phone down and didn't bring it to work? When was the last time you didn't take it with you uh, or leave it on? When was the last time you just let the battery die? I can't remember the last time I did. We get down to 35% and we start really getting panic mode, don't we? Yeah, I can tell you that just from personal experience. Although I've let my battery go down to 3% because I've been involved with, you know, putting together my podcast. And uh, you get carried away. Uh, you get on little little rants and rambles. And before you know it, it's at the 13 minute mark. And I hope that uh, I brought a little bit of perspective onto social media its implications, and its hope, hope for the future. If it's sustainable or not, I don't think it's going to be. This won't go for a century, I can tell you that. Um, technology doubles every 18 months, I believe, is the, is the mantra. And if that's the case, we're going to be in a multi, 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 trillion bit world and um, hope for the future will be diminished. There's going to have to be a, a stall. There's going to have to be a, a halt, maybe, to procedures and a reassessment of where we're going and how we're navigating our world with a little bit of reality as a basis. Hi. So, my cats uh, woke up this morning, of course, with me. Uh, 6 o'clock a.m. I'm sleeping a little later, folks. Um... I'm happy to report uh, that, um, you know, I'm dreaming, I'm dreaming, um, I'm having dreams, I'll tell you more about those later, but, uh, you know, when I wake up, I usually say to my cats, uh, which I did at 6 a.m., like I said, about an hour later than I usually was getting up, so I'm really happy to be sleeping better, I'm getting up less during the night, um, I'm sort of waking up with a semi-urge to use the bathroom, but not really. Um, sometimes I do use the bathroom, though, if I want to get into detail with you uh, of my bodily functions. <laughs> but uh, the cats are awesome, and um, I'm just watching a squirrel go up the limb of my front tree here. Um, I'm really lucky to be living here in Pawtucket. It's some 
little mini wooded area we live in in this section of Darlington. It's if you look from a satellite view, you'll see that there's a cluster of trees, like a bunch of broccoli. Looks like broccoli from space, you know, trees do. And uh, my house is sort of hidden by trees. It's one of the few houses that's actually obscured for the most part. Uh, well, a good section of it, probably a third of the house is obscured, uh, which is, you know, I think Google likes to get full pictures of things down on down on planet Earth. And they don't like trees. But maybe they do like trees. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. In the woods, they do. If they're delineating wood woodland trails, for instance, but uh, even those can be obscured, of course, fully by trees. But in any event, um, my house is semi-obscured, and uh, you know you can see part of the house. Um, you can never see the whole house open because there's a tree over it. I'm going to change that though. A limb's going to be cut down that's overhanging slightly over the front of the house. Um, I learned that from Isaias, the storm that came through in August. Um, that took out uh, a quarter of my tree, a good 20-foot section uh, that nearly nearly did in the front portico of my house, uh, but skimmed it for the most part, crushing just a few front uh, pointed uh, front the front point of the portico. That the the crest of it was um, a couple of crushed singles there, which I'm going to replace, um, or maybe not. It doesn't even really factor in too much. Um, but yeah, Google, satellite, uh, the trees, uh, Darlington. Oh yeah, so Darlington uh, has tree clusters, and it's uh, it's one of the only houses really that's obscured uh, the, for the for a good part of it, um, along with some other houses in the neighborhood and some other scattered neighborhoods throughout Darlington. Not not that Darlington's a super large area of real estate. Uh, it was it was really added on to Pawtucket in the in the twenties and thirties, and then later on uh, in the big in a big way with landfill down by Daggett's uh, in the in the uh, late forties and fifties. Uh, they got houses that are vintage uh, from the fifties there, built there, small little capes and such. Um, but uh, my cats, getting back to my cats, they they wake up and I I say to them. Um, as I did this morning, um, and I usually do, how did you sleep, you know, and they respond or they don't respond with a meow, uh, even if they don't respond, I say, if that's, if you're, okay, that must mean that you had a good, good sleep, if you didn't get, if you didn't say otherwise, I, I use a default position with my cats, you know, can't get into their heads for the most part, uh, at least we don't have the technology to do that these days, maybe someday we will, maybe someday, you never know. You never know. And in any event, also, the dreams, uh, I asked them, how did you dream? Uh, how did you, did you dream good? Did, how did you dream? And I, again, no answer. <laughs> what do I expect? And I assume they had little varmint dreams, little critters. Little They dreamed of little bunnies and little kitties and other little animals and little wolves and, you know, little bigger animals than them and mostly tiny animals, little, little plumps, little plump, I call them little plumpettes, little plump animals, little tiny little plump, uh, little voles, little mice, uh, little, uh, little new, little, little, uh, uh, small little critters and small little rodents, you know, little clean rodents, little squirrels, little squirrelets, you know, did you dream... 
and then you know when what what Lulu does, she keeps it to herself. And then with what uh, Kane, my man Kane, uh, you know Lulu's Lulu's a quiet one. She's not gonna really be that uh, extroverted as, as far as a kitty cat. She's a gray and white, partial feral. You know, I guess you got to be a full feral. She was born in feral conditions. First month of life, she was outdoors, out in the elements, taken in by a great family that later on uh, I adopted the cat from. I adopted Lulu from her from them. Uh, about another month or two later, uh, we put her birthday in April. Uh, Kane, the June boy, the the man born on June sixth. I'm putting him as his date, his approximate date. He was found in Shrewsbury, Mass, in front of a. A rural home with a, right by the mailbox with his brothers and sisters there left abandoned and that house took them in and raised them for for a little spell a few months and then I got him uh, late of uh, late 2019 uh, you know I think I got him in around October-ish um, should have made a mark of that date um, but the important date is his birthday, June 6th, I'm putting him. I think I'm pretty accurate with that, too, using the deductive reasoning. But he, he gets on me when he's in a bad dream. He's getting back to the dream here. He's, if it's a nightmare that sends him a stirring, he will literally climb on me uh, right when I wake up in the morning, even before I, well, I'll make the coffee first. But then when I settle, I hear him meowing on the floor. I know something's up, and I know he's not really wanting to go to his food bowl. He's more interested in me. He wants to get on me. He's scared from his dream, literally. I, I really feel he has a dream. I, I know they, these guys dream. These guys definitely dream. And they dream like us. They have odd dreams that, they, that, that we can handle it. Our brains are kind of big enough. Theirs are small. They get overloaded. They, they get overloaded, as Buckles would say. Yeah, Buckles, my boy. Uh, he, Buckles told me I'd do him better than he does me. Can you believe it? Yeah, I, I believe it. I, I think I, I practiced. I practiced day and night to get him. No, I didn't. That comes naturally to me in a way. Um, but, uh, yeah, Kane literally topples on me, you know. He bears me down. He puts his little paws out to press my shoulders down to the couch as I lay down. And, uh, you know, in a, in a, uh, in a relaxed position, but he kind of like tenses me up a little bit. I'm a little concerned. So he's had a, a little bit of a stir of a dream. And they both do. They both do. My cats, Lulu and Kane. So I am going to ride today. Uh, we're going to definitely ride. I'm hoping that this uh, this burns off this cloudiness uh, this morning. Cloudiness, um, 7.47 here a.m. Pawtucket, Rhode Island. And uh, let's hope this just burns off and um, turns into a another lovely day. Yesterday was stellar and beautiful. I didn't really venture out much. Sorry to say. Um, I should have. Uh, we were going to ride, but Gary is uh, helping put up a garage door at his sister's house. And they were getting a little stumped at what kind of molding to pick out. Can you believe it? What kind of molding? So I guess they made a couple trips to the Home Depot. Um, I guess they figured that out. And I think 
Gary's probably going to report to me this morning when I do a check-in with him on our whether we're going to ride or not, uh, how he did, how he made out yesterday with the garage door and the molding, you know. I think it was a regular door they put in. I don't think it's a powered door. Um, uh, it's uh, He told me it's not any, it's a run-of-the-mill generic kind of door, is his words, generic. So nothing fancy at his sister's house. Uh, she lives right off, uh, right on Central Avenue, I believe, heading towards Seekonk um, when you come off Daggett Avenue here in Pawtucket. And uh, she, um, it's a nice, nice bungalow, beautiful, really nice uh, kind of California style bungalow. That, uh, as we rode by it the other day, heading into Seekonk, uh, we go right by her house uh, every time we ride, pretty much. We always set out going down Central Avenue. We avoid Newport Avenue, which is a pretty pretty uh, harried and busy street. Um, you know, even if you're with the right side of traffic, you don't know really what's behind you, and cars can come, come close to the gutter there where you're riding. Uh, you can't be on top of the curb, and you can't be really in the corner of the curb. You have to kind of be about a feet, foot away or two. You've got to avoid those drainage grates. Uh, you know, uh, it's it's you don't want to get your tires caught in anything. You don't want to risk it, especially Gary with his road bike. He's got a beautiful uh, road bike, and um, it, you wouldn't want you wouldn't want his tires to get snagged in there, and then he goes flying. That's the last thing. I need him as my leader. <laughs> Sometimes I do lead the way, though. Sometimes I do lead the way. But um, so today, you know, let's hope the weather burns off. I'm hoping, you know, getting back to my original story arc on this segment, you know, I hope that the that the weather does burn off and then it turns into another glorious day. Even if it's uh, midway that, it's going to be beautiful um, temperatures are cooler here in New England, this part of New England, uh, or New England in general and Northeast. Um, you know, uh, Buckles was here for a spell and he thought it was a little cold. He's used to Texas weather. Well, I told him, you're not going to get the Texas weather right now in New England, not this time of year. You know, if you had come back about earlier, then again, where you are in South Fork, it's pretty arid. Uh, you know, he doesn't really, they don't really need antiperspirant there. They, they dry up uh, like a, like shriveled, a shriveled uh, raisin, you know. Uh, but, uh, he just finished his drama. They're going to be finishing, we're going to be presenting to you part two. I'm happy to say, uh, it's going to be on the next podcast, I believe. Mark's signaling me. He's not sure the way everything's laying out. We're not sure when part two is going to happen. Uh, we want to do consecutive series. We wanted to actually get it all in one, but the show, um, the exposition of the show is basically complete, and uh, maybe we're going to get down to the brass tacks. I'm not going to give any much more away. Um, I actually don't even know what the whole story is. Mark is also saying he puts his hands up, and he's not really sure what, what the deal is, but Buckles has it all up up in his noggin, uh, he's also got it pretty much sketched out. Um, the, he's done some initial, he did some initial sketches of the show I, that I was privy to see, but it was basically just part one. Okay. Um, part two, he had yet, it was still up, up in his head and he uh, wasn't really going to relate anything to it. He wasn't, he was really actually couchy about part one. 
The only reason I took part two was when he put his coffee down, he was putting it near the script. I moved the script. He turned his head, and I looked at a few of the lines, a couple of the pages. Uh, it was very sketchy. Like I said, it was more of a sketch. So I was able to kind of get the gist of it. And then uh, he was looking at my cats. And then when he came back, because he likes my cats, and one of them reminds him of his, his little cat, Chuckles, um, who's a little boy cat that he found um, in Carbon, one of the outposts. It was behind the... Uh, there was a little, small little saloon there, very, very tiny saloon. Actually, it's a, like a, it's got three tables in it. It's tiny. Uh, it services that little outpost. Uh, there's only a couple few buildings in that town. Uh, there's a, uh, a public urinal. Uh, well, you know, like a, like a, like a, uh, what you would call a, um, latrine. And, uh, there's the Pinkerton, there's the Pinkerton office. Um, and so, uh, and it's pretty much populated by guys. It's all Pinkerton agents. There's not a woman in sight that, that you'd have to go about 14 miles in to town into South Fork. Uh, of course you got your share of beautiful, colorful women that, uh, cascade through the, uh, they brought to you, uh, over the mics of the uh, the uh, Buckle Studio performances, and they're brought to life. And uh, so um, my mountain bike ride uh, through Seekonk and not getting caught in the drain grates is uh, one thing that I avoid. And, um, you know, I don't know if I'm going to do a remote from my mountain bike. I was going to, but I'm... It'd be probably be pretty interesting to bring you along on one of my trips. But right now we're struck strictly to road and I'm focusing on riding. Um, I do have a pretty good focus. Uh, you know, it's up there in the 80 percentile. I, I definitely put some brain power behind my motivation. Uh, I try to self-motivate, of course. Who else is going to motivate you, really? unless I had a, my own coach, but my own coach is sort of Gary. He keeps me on my toes. He lets me know if any oncoming vehicle, he checks in back of him when he's in the lead, which is most of the time on our rides. Um, sometimes he can get uh, many paces ahead of me, um, and I try to catch up. Uh, a couple times I've said, just forget it, Gary. Why don't you just, you know, go on your own, and I'll just, I'll get there. Don't worry. I'll meet you maybe back at the house, maybe, or at some point uh, as we near Pawtucket. You know, I'm not too worried. I don't really get stressed out. I don't want to bring stress into the, the picture when I ride, um, and when I do anything, for that matter. When I do, uh, uh, I've had some stressful kind of meetings. Uh, we had a couple of arguments on the Buckles Brannigan set, um, but... We get over them and we move on. We move on. And my computer, so my computer is, uh, is imminent. I'm hoping to get it. It's going to really enable me to do a lot of things. Um, uh, so mainly, well, mainly <laughs> talking to my printer. 
which my covered computer can't. It doesn't have the operating system, and I can't update it any further. It's a vintage that uh, locks me out of uh, the latest operating Mac operating system, which is called Catalina. I can't even load Mojave on it. Mojave would have just been the minimum to operate my new printer. Well, no, I think it would have been uh, one of the later operating systems, but would have uh, updated it. But uh, I can't even get into any of the operating systems before that. Uh, just I miss just the I miss exactly the operating system. In other words, to print, uh, I my computer cannot load the the operating system that is minimum to run my printer. That's what I wanted to say. Uh, so I'm, I'm waiting for this new computer with bait breath. Um, and uh, I'm excited. It's, it's a Best Buy special, uh, but it's not really. It's the same price as you'd pay if I went to the Apple store here in Providence. Uh, but uh, I basically, um, I'm, I'm primed for it. Uh, I've got, uh, I'm going to get the magic pad, uh, tracking pad. I get that as an add-on. Uh, I got some, uh, some digital software, I guess, that just comes with the package anyway. Uh, I'm going to use my uh, current Illustrator. Uh, I'm going to load that onto the new computer, use that, of course. Uh, uh, I'm not ready to plunk down any. I don't know if I want to do the cloud computing. I'm not into the cloud computing right now. It would be cool, though. It would be cool to have all those tools. I might want to look into that. Uh, that's an option that I have, uh, that I will have when I, once I get my new computer. Uh, why do you care whether I have a computer or not? I don't know. I don't know. I just like talking about uh, new things that I'm getting. I get excited. I was about my mountain bike. Uh, I hope I didn't bore you with that. Um, I actually did a couple of videos uh, showing my bike. Um, I posted one to YouTube. Uh, you might want to check it out. Um, just going over, it's sort of out of the box, sort of an out of the box video on my um, my mountain bike. And so the computer, my printer, my new office, which I'm excited about. Yeah, everything's going to be pretty much in place for me to continue to work on. Uh, uh, projects for clients and that's what I want to set up for um, I'm already on board with my brother's dealership is my main client right now um, I'm gonna probably maybe hopefully take on some other little projects fun projects for family and friends at first um, I hope they like my work um, do I have a style graphically eh, maybe yeah I'd say so uh, do I conform? Yeah, I think we conform. I think we do conform. We try to break some ground. We try to have a little bit. We try to bring something to the table. Uh, we got to use certain tenants in graphic design. I like that word, tenants. Uh, we have to uh, follow some certain conventions. Uh, if you're if you're using a style, you're using a style. That's the style you've chosen. The Buckles Brannigan packaging project that we did. I'm um, going to be doing some new products coming down the pike. You'll be hearing more about those. Uh, I just wrapped up uh, the Buckles Brannigan um, uh, spray protector, which is awesome product. To uh, designing for a can. Um, good challenges with that. There's certain 
labelings that we have to put in for legal reasons, um, disclosure, copyright, things like that. Um, the fun part is designing the logo, cross Derringer logo, Buckles Brannigan, the double B. The double B, it's separated by diamond points, uh, periods, as in Buckles Brannigan, of course. And, uh, you know, we've got Buckles' visage on the back of the labels, on all of our labels, except the, the, uh, except the spray protector. It's got more instructions on it, so we didn't really have a lot of room to do that. Uh, certainly on the saddle soap, the underside of that can has Buckles' picture, so you get to see what he looks like. It's a drawing of him. It's a line art, uh, almost clip art in, in lack of detail, but it gives you a little idea of his character. And is he a character? Well, as you know, as you definitely know by now, folks, he is a, he is a character. He helps us out. He loves, he loves the involvement with this show and the podcast and all aspects of it. If he could spend his time in Pawtucket, he would, but he just loves South Fork so much. He loves his town, you know. He loves Texas. He loves that little corner of the Rio Grande. And uh, he likes the sagebrush and the tumbleweeds and likes the proppy looking buildings they look like they're just one dimensional or two dimensional uh, but they go back deep uh, he loves the women he's not a wine drinker he's a he likes his bourbon his whiskey his uh, old gold top shelf whiskey that's what he goes by that's his brand it's up on the top shelf at Burt's Bert, the barkeep, who's at the main main character when you go into the saloon. It's Bert's world there. With it's Johnson's saloon, but it's uh, it's Bert's bar really. Uh, B E R T, same spelling as my dad. And uh, the piano player, who my dad would normally be, my dad was a pianist uh, and organist, but uh, they don't have an organ in that saloon. So my dad would have been right there. He wouldn't have liked the cigarette smoke or the cigar smoke. Wouldn't have been a big fan of that. Wouldn't have been a big fan of the carousing. Didn't didn't care for my dad actually in, the, in his day in the 40s and 50s before he met my mom. Um, I think he was starting to get into church music um, because he played for churches, St. Joseph's, I think, and then St. John the Baptist and St. Cecilia's uh, were on his resume. Um, but he, before that, he was in a trio. And the, his pet peeve was the lushes that would come up to him to ask him to, to play certain songs. I think he also soloed in some of these bars. Um, so I can imagine when he got home, the smell of the cigarette on him. Uh, would it be enough to turn away anyone? So he endured that. He endured that uh, time. And he must have made some some little bit of money doing that, which I hope he did. And, uh, you know, got his chops that way. He got his chops because my dad could be the type that could enter any room. If there was a piano there, he would sit down 
take his jacket off, of course, and uh, just ripping the, ripping the keyboard apart, literally ripping it apart. I mean, 88 keys were not enough for my dad. Um, he needed more. His range was beyond it. But he definitely stayed within the confines that he had to, if he had to, and gave it full volume and full sound and full tone. Got the most out of that piano, and everybody would gather around. And this is all true. This is all what happened. Uh, if it was at a family's home or friends, anybody, uh, he could bring anybody around the piano and uh, bring a lot of joy to people's hearts through his music. I like, I always liked coming out of the movie theater after watching a really disturbing movie, you know, a Silence of the Lambs type movie, let's say. Uh, you know, and this effect is really more pronounced with, with the movie theater as a space. Um, and uh, as opposed to, let's just say, watching it on TV at home. I like the effect of coming out of the movie theater from these disturbing movies. And there are more and more of them each day, it seems. Movies with very little comic relief. And getting relief, coming out and seeing the bright day. You know, maybe the, the film was underexposed purposely to be very dark and looming. And, you know, you wondered, is this what life is? Because you're enraptured in, in this two and a half hour movie. As you open the door to the back exit of the theater, you come out to a bright, bright blue sky and activity all around. Moms uh, toting their kids out on carriages with their other older kids in tow as a family movie is also shown in the multiplex. And they get out at the same time and you see life in front of you. And I always thought as a kid that was a cool thing. I always liked coming out of the movie theater. You could do a book about it. Um, the Hope. Uh, if it was a, if it was a an encouraging movie, a positive movie, you wanted to live vicariously through that movie, and you vowed to continue your life in the spirit of that movie that you just watched. If it was a musical, if it was a comedy, uh, you were uplifted. But life is not a, a technicolor romping adventure movie of positive nature. Life is a mixture. Life is a combination of both. And, you know, my earliest segment on social media, all hope was lost in a way. Um, there was sustainability factor was nil. Uh, maybe a glimmer of hope, but not much, not much there, not really much to latch on to. But we all have to get together. We have all have to get along. We all have to get along. Uh, we have to live our own lives. 
with our family and our friends, but we have to also get along as an overall society with shared interests. And uh, we, we need to latch back on to faith and belief in ourselves and humankind uh, to move on in life. And I use that movie metaphor because I think it's important. Important for reasons that are um, obvious, you know. Uh, the the movie is is a taste of reality, but it's it's a it's a very segmented taste. And when you come out of that movie theater, you see the whole world opened up for you like it was before when you went in. But it's more poignant, isn't it? It's more poignant coming out of a movie theater, a movie theater, than it is going in. Because going in is, you're just part of that whole scene, you know, you're, you, you rushed off to make the, the opening curtain, you don't want to miss the opening, and uh, the last thing you want to do is come in, you know, five minutes late, you don't want to miss the, the front titles, um, you know, maybe you can do without the previews, but you certainly don't want to miss the opening of the movie, the gist is established, as they say, uh, at the or do they say, but I say, the general, uh, you know, the exposition of the movie hasn't really taken place yet, but it's partly started, and uh, you're in progress as you come in. And, uh, you know, the, the uh, curtain comes down at the end there with the end titles, or, you know, you, maybe you sit through, and maybe you wait Maybe you wait for the next movie. In the old days, you know, you used to be able to sit in the theater and watch the movie again. Of course, those days, I believe, are over. Although, I don't know if any security people come in. Uh, and, uh, are there movies out there? I don't even know if we're going to see movies anymore. I was using that movie analogy because I hope that it was in your recent recent memory. But uh, today's, today's COVID situation, I think, I don't think we're able to go to movies, although I might be wrong about that. I might be I might be mistaken. I haven't gone to see a movie in dare I say uh, years. It's probably been a, a year or two since I've seen the went to I did go see I take that back. I went in and probably it was already 218 and went to go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Brad Pitt. Um and that was about uh I think it was about 2018 with my brother Claude. I think that was the last movie I went to go see. Um, and that was, of course, before all the, the pandemic bullshit. Um, but I use the movie analogy because it's in our recent memory. We've, we've all gone to the movies. Uh, we, all, we all have, uh, I'm pretty sure. Um, a good majority. And I think the analogy of coming out of the theater and the hope of life uh, the optimism, that's the word, optimism. Can we be optimistic in today's world? Can we be optimistic? 